Hey, what's up, Cornerstone? Hi, I'm Josiah, and I'm here to uh, read today's passage. Uh, Genesis 32, 22 uh, to 32. The same night he arose and took his two wives, uh, his two female servants and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. And he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the, the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Josiah. I put on my eyes. Here we go. Welcome. Good to see you guys. So we've been going through Genesis, and if you notice, we jumped quite a bit. We jumped like 10 chapters from last week to this week. And the purpose of going through Genesis was not to go through every chapter, but to highlight certain stories that were significant um, and unique, in a sense, to God's plan of salvation, His re revelation of Himself, and how He wants to work with us, and also how we are to relate to Him. So the, just the last few Sundays, we saw in chapter 12, the call God made to Abram, and then the covenant He made with Abram in chapter 15, and then last week, a very unique story that foreshadowed the, also the sacrifice of God's one and only son, but asking Abraham to sacrifice and offer up Isaac, but then, of course, not allowing him to do so. Very unique story. And then today, we've jumped forward now to not the story of Isaac, but Abraham's son, uh, grandson, Jacob. And so we're looking at this and... and, and it's an odd, a very unique story of Jacob seeming to be wrestling with God himself, which is very interesting. Yeah. Well, before we delve into this, let me uh, pray for us. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our Lord and our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, years ago, uh, May and I had two cats, and I used to wrestle with my cats. So when I read this text, I was thinking of those good times, wrestling with my cats. You're probably wondering, how do you do that? Well, I, did, I used my hand. You know, I didn't use my whole body. I'd probably crush the cat if I did that. But uh, I would wrestle with my cats, and I was pretty rough. But I found this one hold that the cats could not 
they could not deal with. It was, I would take my hand and I would jab it up under their chin and when they're on their back, and their belly, and right under their chin. And uh, it looked something like this. So, but I would have my hand underneath and I'd go underneath, like that's my cat, Tiger, or w was Tiger. And they couldn't, their little legs could not bend to get my hand. And their back legs couldn't do it. They just, they were helpless. They were stuck. The only thing they could do is maybe scratch me a tiny bit with their back legs, you know, like that on my arm. And it was great fun, for me, at least. I don't know about for them, but it was great fun. Now, with my other cat, Mitty, uh, he was a, kind of a rascal, and so sometimes he would wiggle his way out of that somehow. And uh, I had to be careful because he would tear me up pretty good if he got out. And so uh, these are just some happy memories I have with my cats when I think of wrestling. But our text in Genesis chapter 32 is dealing with, it seems like God is wrestling with Jacob and, uh, and all through the night, which is, it's odd, isn't it? You think about that? Somebody wrestling with the Lord God Almighty? I mean, wrestling takes a lot of energy. They must, at least Jacob must have been exhausted by the end of that. But uh, have you ever wrestled someone? I look around here, anybody ever wrestled someone? I, I know I have. Uh, it takes a lot of effort and energy. You're exhausted. It's like your complete body is involved in that action. And I, must, I just imagine thinking of this, uh, there must have been times during the night where God like immobilized Jacob and then uh, let him go. And then Jacob just kind of went at him again. You know, he just wouldn't give up in that sense. Uh, and they must have taken breaks because it's exhausting work because you just sit there and catch your breath and then go at it again. Uh, at least, I don't know, uh, it doesn't say, but this is my imagination because there's no way somebody could wrestle for hour after hour <laughs> without being totally depleted. Um, but this seems to be odd. And we, we know that this was God wrestling Jacob. Not at first, it says a man. But then later, he blesses him, and he does something to his hip. And look at verse 25, what the scripture says. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. What's up with this? God cannot prevail against Jacob? I mean, the almighty, powerful creator of the universe... You know, he can't win a wrestling match with the guy? I don't understand what's going on here. It seems odd. He's all-powerful. God then demonstrated his power by just touching the hip and yank out of socket. And uh, Jacob's all of a sudden helpless. So why carry this on all night? Why struggle all night? And then it's daybreak, so he pops it out. You know, like, <laughs> he would have done that in the beginning. Right? Why didn't you just do that in the beginning? What's the purpose of this wrestling match? Well, to really answer that and understand that, uh, we need to understand Jacob's life before this. And that's the 10 chapters before, from uh, the 22 to 32. And to get this larger scope of what Jacob's life was like before this, and to understand what God is trying to teach Jacob through this wrestling match. So I'm going to kind of go through that to bring us up to, give us the context of this wrestling match. So we get to start from the very beginning of Jacob's life when he was in his mother's womb. And look at what Genesis 25 says. 
It says there, the children, now Jacob and his brother Esau were both in the womb together. He had a twin brother. The children struggled together within her, their mother, Rebekah, and, said, and she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. See, right from the beginning, we are introduced that Jacob is basically wrestling <laughs> his brother in the womb, which is kind of odd. You think it's hard enough, I think, for women to carry one child, but imagine carrying two children that are like struggling with each other, like fighting for room in there or something. I don't know, I want this part of the womb or you got the better place, I want that, you know, whatever they're doing in there. It was uncomfortable for her. So at birth, then we find out that Esau comes out first, Jacob's brother, and then as they're pulling Esau out of the mom, Jacob's got his hand wrapped around the heel of Esau, almost like he's wanting to pull Esau back in so he can be the first one out, right? Because firstborn in the Jewish family is this position of prominence, a respected position, and of course, coming out second, then you're not firstborn, even though it was just seconds, you know, in between the birth of each of them. So Jacob was actually given this, his name because of this, because Jacob's name means grabbing the heel of, or another saying is from behind, like getting someone sneaking up from behind. Um, and this becomes, we see, the theme of Jacob's life. He tries to grab things for himself. And we then go on to learn as they were introduced to each brother as they're growing up that they're both very, very different from each other. I don't know if you've ever known twins. We have a few sets here in our congregation. Um, they're very different, right? Even if they're identical, they're very different once you get to know them. Well, Jacob and Esau were not identical. <laughs> they were very different in the way they looked as well as acted. And uh, Genesis 25 explains, uh, kind of describes that for us. It says, The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was a quiet man, staying among the tents. Isaac, the father, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah, their mother, loved Jacob. So there were problems in this family. We see right now when one, the dad, loved one son, and the mother loved the other. They favored their sons over one over the other. And think about it, this only encouraged the two sons to struggle against each other for whatever reasons they try to get the attention of the other parent. In a Jewish family at that time, the birthright of the firstborn uh, is a double portion of the father's inheritance. And so that's pretty significant. And Jacob, we can just imagine that he, for his life, must have thought, man, I just missed that by seconds. And my brother Esau gets a double portion just for being the firstborn. I mean, he didn't do anything to earn it. He just came out first. And I was like almost second. I was holding on to him. And so Jacob, we see, grabs the birthright from Esau by simply, and if, I'm not going to go through the story, but Esau was super hungry one day, and he came home, and Jacob was making the stew, and he bargained Esau out of his birthright for a, a bowl of stew because Esau was so hungry. So Jacob grabbed the birthright for himself. He got it. it he, he took it away from Esau. And then later, in, uh, years later, Jacob's father becomes really old, 
And there's this story of when he couldn't see very well, Isaac couldn't see, and so he asked Esau to go out and hunt and get him some game because he loved uh, wild game fixed up in a certain way. And he said, hey, Esau, can you go out and go hunting, get a, some game for me, prepare it in the way I like it, and then after you do that, I'll eat it, and then I will give you my blessing. Now, this is significant because a family blessing of the father kind of was the one that said, you are going to be the one to lead the family going on and blessing on you in a sense that prosperity and all that would be with you. And, but it wasn't always determined by birth order. Uh, and we'll see this if, as you read on through Genesis that it didn't always happen to the firstborn. Jacob, on the other hand, you look at Jacob's life and he blesses his fourthborn later on, Judah, rather than his firstborn, Reuben. So it didn't always happen that way. But what happened here uh, is the mother, Rebekah, heard this conversation with Esau and Isaac. Jacob wasn't there, and she hears this. And so she calls Jacob to herself. And she, she loved Jacob more than Esau, and she wanted Jacob to have this blessing rather than Esau, her other son. And so listen to what she told Jacob in chapter 27. She says, Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Now, when Jacob heard her plan, you would think he would say, Mom, I don't want to deceive my dad. That's like, that's like lying to him. That's worse than lying. I'm pretending to be somebody I'm not. I'm tricking him just to get the blessing. But listen to what Jacob said instead. He said, but my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him, and he would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. See, Jacob didn't mind tricking his father for the blessing. He minded if the chances that he would get caught doing that, and then it wouldn't turn out well for him. So again, Jacob is trying to grab what he can for himself with the help of his mother in this, in this sense. And so his mother addressed that. She already had a plan. You know, women are really intuitive and smart. And so she went and got some goat skin, put it on the arms and the neck and the hands of Jacob, and then dressed Jacob in Esau's clothing so he would smell as well like Esau. And then she gave him his, the food, the tasty food, and he went into his father to give it to him. And so we pick up the story in Genesis 27, and I'm just going to read this because it's the best way, it's the Word of God, and it's very dynamic at this part. So bear with me, but I'm going to read through, starting in verse 18 of chapter 27. So he went to his father and said, my father, yes, my son, he answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. Deception, right? I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord, your God, gave me success. Lie, <laughs> he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father. Oh, let me go there. Yeah. Jacob went close to his father, Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Man, Esau must have been really hairy, if you think about it, right? He did not recognize him, and his, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he blessed him. Are you really my son, Esau? He asked. 
I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. And so Jacob left with his father's blessing. And then the story goes that Esau almost immediately came in with some food for his father. And the scriptures say that Isaac, the dad, shook violently when he realized he had been deceived by his son Jacob. And then Esau pleaded with his dad and said, please, don't you have a blessing for me? And Isaac could not take back his word because he had already given it forth. Unlike today, right, somebody's word, we can take it back and give it out, give it back, give it out, because if a word is not as meaningful today, it seems, in our culture. But back then, once you spoke, that's what it was. So he could not. So you can imagine Esau was pretty angry at that point. He tricked out of his birthright. Now he took my blessing. And basically, he said, I'm going to kill Jacob. Once my father dies, out of respect for him, I won't. But when he dies, I'm going to kill him. So, you know, we see here Jacob's life. And this is why I'm going through all this, to give you the context. Jacob lived life trying to grab things for himself. This was his intent, we see up to this point. But what was the result? Well, Jacob got what he wanted, right? He got the birthright, he got the blessing. But at the sake of his family unity, because now he was, his brother wanted to kill him. And, and God ultimately worked through all this. But what ended up is Jacob had to leave his home because of his fear for his life from his brother. And so he went to live with his, his uncle Laban in Haran for like some 20 years. And then his mother died during that period. So he never saw his mother again. All because of their, the way he was living his life and trying to grab things for himself. But God, knowing this would happen, used this period of time for 20 years separation to build a more righteous character in Jacob. Because he still tried to grab things, but then people were, God just used, I'm not going to go into that whole story of his time with Laban, but I encourage you to read that. But then after that 20 years where he became wealthy and God revealed himself to Jacob over and over again, and he became, he had ended up, like you heard in the beginning, he had two wives and two, basically four wives and a lot of kids and lots of wealth, and he's coming back. Well, God, he's coming back to Canaan to be with his father because God told him to, to return home to his father. So when Jacob enters the land of Canaan, he sends messengers to his brother Esau because the last time he knew, Esau was going to kill him. And so he sends messengers. And this is the message he sent. It's recorded in Genesis in the beginning of our chapter 32. Thus says this, your servant to Jacob. This is him speaking to Esau, the message he sent him. I have sojourned with Laban, that's their uncle, and stayed until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male servants, female servants. 
I have sent to tell my Lord in order that I might find favor in your sight. Basically, in other words, please don't kill me. <laughs> you know, uh, Esau heard this message and he came then with an intent to kill Jacob because we learned that his servants come back to Jacob and they say, yeah, we tell him the message and he's coming with 400 men. <laughs> uh, that, that's pretty loud message there. So this was the situation. God had told Jacob to return to his father, and so Jacob obeys and does so, but now Esau is coming to kill him. And so Jacob's like, what is going on? What is going on? God's told me to come, but now look at what's going on. My whole family's in danger. I'm going risking losing everything. And that brings us to the, our text in chapter 32. So what had happened is Jacob had now, it was time to meet with his brother. He knew his brother was close. So he sent his gifts that he was going to give his brother. He sent his family ahead, and he was all by himself at the Jordan. <clears throat> he was alone, agonizing over what would happen and what could he do. So now, notice our text starts with God. He started the fight with Jacob. This man appears and starts wrestling with Jacob. Think about that. You meet this stranger, and all of a sudden you're attacked, <laughs> and you're wrestling. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting, but <clears throat> we got to know that wrestling is not um, a type of fighting that is intent to kill or maybe even harm, but it's an, uh, it's, wrestling is a, an attempt to show who's stronger, who can get control over the other. Because if you, do, if you know about wrestling, you pin the other person, right? You, you get them in a position where they can't move any longer. And not able to prevail here meant that God did not intend to defeat Jacob, but Jacob just would not give up wrestling with him. Uh, through the struggle, God was to teach Jacob. His intent was not to win. It was to continue for Jacob to wrestle with him. So God saw that Jacob would not give up. And so that's why I was trying to imagine this. Like, uh, Jacob would, uh, the man could not prevail over Jacob. So he would pin him or get him immobilized, and then he'd let him free, and then Jacob would just go at it again. Said, nah, I'm going to try to pin you. you know, he, I'm going to try to get this, overcome you. This is my imagination here. The scriptures don't give, give this up, but it kind of helps me understand that how can the living God just not win? And then later he shows his power, right? Because uh, God wanted the struggle, Jacob to struggle with him. This is my next point. For this blessing that he had given Jacob, the promise that he had given. He wants him to struggle with God, not to go to God for the blessing, not to try to grab it for himself like he had been doing all the way up to this point. And we hear some of Jacob's struggle earlier in chapter 32, verses 9 through 12. This is his prayer to the Lord God before this wrestling match. He says, O oh God, my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred that I may do you good. I am not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast love and all the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. For with only a staff I crossed this Jordan and now I've become two camps. 
Please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, that he may come and attack me, the mothers, with their children. But you said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. He knew this word, but the way the situation was, he, he was questioning it. And so he's wrestling with God in prayer about this. And then at the end of near daybreak, God demonstrates his power ultimately by just wrenching Jacob's hip out of socket. And so Jacob, knowing who this is, will not let go. And he knew this was the Lord God. And so that's why he says, I am not going to let go until you assure me of your blessing, the one that you've spoken to me, because I'm facing Esau, and I need your assurance of this. And so, as we see, God did bless him and changed his name. The name of Israel means one who struggles with God. One who, we could say, wrestles <laughs> with God. And we see he prevailed in the sense that he didn't give up. And later, the miracle then we read on past chapter 32 is that there was a miracle. When Esau actually met Jacob, he embraced him. Even though there was 400 guys with him, he embraced and hugged him instead of killing him. And so they were reconciled. We know God better by wrestling with him. I love the quote from the movie Matrix Reloaded. It says, you do not truly know someone until you fight them. In a totally different context there. But in this sense, wrestling, God invites us. He instigates this with us and says, wrestle with me because then you'll truly know me and know that my word is true. You know, I, it reminds me of a situation that I experienced this to a smaller degree with my brother Mike, who's six years older than I was, and I, I, I am, he's still six years older, you know. <laughs> and uh, when I was in elementary school, uh, him being six years older, he was bigger, stronger, faster, and we would wrestle together. And uh, he would usually instigate it, because he was bigger than I was, but uh, he'd always quickly pin me, and, you know, no problem. So I, at one point, I remember I was getting tired of this, so I said, Mike, you wait until I'm 18, and with the same size, and then I'm going to teach you a lesson. So he did. On my 18th birthday, I had forgotten about it. He brought this up to me, and so, and I was actually taller than he was at that point. So we did. We went at it right there, and uh, took a little longer, but uh, he still pinned me and <laughs> beat me, and so then, though, at that moment, Instead of having this vision in my mind like I was better than my brother, I knew he was at least a better wrestler than I was. And so I got to know him a little better that way and respect that ability about him. You see, God invites you and me to wrestle with him. We don't have the opportunity, uh, like Jacob, to wrestle physically with God, but we do have the opportunity to wrestle with God about the things in our lives through prayer through however we can. Um, we will not experience really the blessing of knowing God personally and intimately unless you and I wrestle with Him, with all the things in our lives. And He wants us to know Him more this way by doing so and to love Him. So the question to us and to you is, are you wrestling with God? Am I wrestling with God 
what does this mean for us today? You know, we don't, like I said, have that opportunity to say, hey, God, come on, up here so we can wrestle. No, but to wrestle simply means today, and I looked this up on Google, on the Internet, it says to take part in a fight, either as sport or in earnest, that involves grappling with one's opponent and trying to throw or force them to the ground, or to struggle with a difficulty or problem. That's one we probably <laughs> have more experience with, right? Um, in other words, it's to get the upper hand, to try to get the control. And how many times do we wrestle with things in life, trying to think through it and figure it out on our own, trying to think, of how do I get the upper hand on this? to make this through, but you were only thinking by ourselves. If we look at the scriptures, Abraham wrestled with God, with what we've looked at, and as you read through Genesis, by lying about his wife at one point when they went to Egypt, and then realizing God's promise is still true, even though he wasn't faithful in that way. And then he bargained with God for Sodom and Gomorrah. He slept with his wife's maidservant because God's promise hadn't come forth yet, so he thought he'd help out. A little bit by you know sleeping with this other woman and having a child through her and through all this abraham grew to know that god's promise is true despite what he does and how he messes up but god's promise becomes reality even when we don't understand how that's going to work out and last week we saw that that after all these decades of abraham learning this over and over again when God asked him to do something that was totally crazy, like offer your son up as a sacrifice to him, even though that son was the promise of God of where he was going to get his descendants, he was supposed to go kill his son. And yet he knew at that point that God's word is true. So he did it. He, he was going to go do it, and God stopped him. We saw that last week. God, Abraham believed God's promise. He just did not understand how that was going to work out by him doing this like God had asked. Are you wrestling with God or are you really wrestling with the things in your life on your own thinking, on your own understanding and not going to God and wrestling with Him about the things that you're dealing with? That's what God invites us to do, to ask Him, why are these happening in my relationships or in my marriage or in my education, why is this not going the way I, I want it to? Or our career path, or maybe it's our health that we're struggling with. I mean, God is inviting, say, come, wrestle with me about this. Uh, it could be our children, or maybe just simply the purpose for living. We struggle with that. Wrestle with him. He's inviting us to do so. And prayer is one way we wrestle with God. We just talk to God about everything in our lives. We talk over and over and over, and God doesn't get tired of listening to us at all. So are we regularly talking to God, going to Him in prayer, just talking to Him regularly about whatever happens during our day or what the future holds that we're not sure about? You know, and, and I wanted to share one example of this from uh, a man in our congregation, Wen Bing Yang. Uh, he's one of the elders of the church. That's his wife, Jay Xiao. And he gave me permission to share this. He had shared it just recently in our life group this past Thursday. And uh, May and I were talking about it as we were, I was going over the sermon with her. And she was like, hey, yeah, maybe you could use that. So it was a great example, good example of this. So the story is that Wen Bing, when he had just started working, this is earlier in his life, uh, and then he had been at this job for just three years, uh, he wanted to make a change. So he wanted to get out of what he was doing and go do something a little different. And so he prayed about it, 
And then one day uh, in this process, he got this idea that, oh yeah, I have this friend in this other division in the company I work in, same company. So he called him at the end of that workday, like 6 p.m. And the friend was there at the office, picked it up, and so he told him, and the friend was excited because he said, oh, we actually have a position open that would fit, be good for you and your experience. The only problem is we already interviewed somebody and very promising, and I think we're planning to offer them the position, but we haven't yet. So if you hurry up and get your application in, we'll hold off on that. So he did, and it all worked out, and they offered him the job, and he accepted it. So the, the issue now was, though, when Bing had this severe anxiety or nervousness or fear about talking to his current boss about quitting and transitioning to this other department in the same company. And so he, he was petrified by it. And so he went to the Lord and he prayed and asked the God, asked God for courage to talk to his boss because he was petrified. And so he kept praying and wrestling with God about that. And then the day, the night before he was going to talk to his boss, when Bing shared that he had this horrible nightmare. I mean, it was terrible, so bad that he woke up and he was sweating, you know, and he was traumatized and he was just shaken up. It really shook him and it just terrified him. But as he thought about it, he had great peace when he thought about talking to his boss that next morning because when he thought about talking to his boss, it had no comparison to the terrible dream he just had. So he said that's how God gave him courage because he was like, talking to my boss is nothing to what I just dreamt about. So he went and he talked to his boss with courage that day. You see, God is personal and he cares about the intimate details of each of our lives. I mean, I don't know how he keeps track of everything. I have a hard time keeping track of the details of my own life. But he knows all the details of your life and your life and your life and your life and my life and everybody's lives on this whole planet because he is the infinite God. And he invites us to trust him with the issues of our lives because he is the only real, living, loving, gracious God out there. There is no other God. All other gods are false, man-made, created by our imaginations. And until you and I wrestle with God and his promises in Jesus Christ, we will not really know him. And we will not really be able to follow him as Lord until we continue to wrestle with him. So God is inviting you and me today. Come on, bring it on. Let's get down and dirty and wrestle together about whatever it is on your heart. And I'll show you that my way is the right way. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word and for this assurance that though our lives may seem insignificant at times, they are not. The truth is you created us and therefore we have value, intrinsic value in your sight. We are your children. We are your creation. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would be able to live trusting you more and more as we bring to you and wrestle with you all the issues and concerns of our hearts, the way that we may look at the future and see and have no hope because we don't see the way out of our distress. But Lord, we know that you continually in your word give us hope in you. 
You just say, trust me, be with me, and I will make your path straight. Not us, but you. Give us that trust, Lord, we pray. And may then the abundant life that you offer us infuse us to be able to live for you on this earth. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.